This is The Guardian. Today, why is it so hard to get an appointment with your local dentist? For sways of the country, trying to see a dentist on the NHS has become an almost impossible task. You could say... It's like pulling teeth. Now, if, as it was once famously said, a quarter of all human misery is toothache, then I do think the 21st century version must be trying to get an appointment for said toothache. Um, sorry, that's the dog. I knew that would happen. It's the postman. I'm really sorry. I need to get the letter off him. Hang on. Claire Adams is a retired teacher from Devon. Sam! It's not another letter from the dentist, is it, Claire? What? <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure it isn't. No, I wish it was. <laughs> In January, Claire received a letter from her NHS dentist. It said, over the last two years, we have had some dentists leave the practice and we have been unable to recruit NHS dentists to replace them. It is therefore with regret that we have now made the decision to withdraw from the NHS. From April 2022, you will no longer be seen under the NHS. Claire was told she was no longer able to stay on as a patient with her surgery unless she could afford to go private and pay for her treatment in full. How I felt when I was reading the letter, it was disbelief, frustration and panic. Claire is worried she needs an extraction. And because she has gum disease, she's been told she needs to see the dentist every six months. And to be quite honest, to do that privately over a long term, it's just not sustainable for me. I can't do it financially on the pension I'm on. Last year, I went to see the NHS dentist at the practice, and I think it was five appointments. That cost me £65.20. Now, five appointments under the new system, well, that in itself is going to be over £250 before any treatment. The root canal, um, the prices are from £650. Now, mine, the one I need doing, is a back tooth. It could well be more than that. Claire's story isn't unique. Across the UK, patients are desperate and dentists say they're at capacity. Waiting lists can be years long and the cost of treatment is out of reach for many. So what is the government and the NHS doing to fix dentistry? And how did it get so bad? From The Guardian, I'm Nosheen Iqbal. Today in Focus, the patient's suffering in the UK's dental deserts. Dennis Campbell, you're The Guardian's health policy editor. Can you give us an idea, first of all, of the scale of the problems facing patients and the dentists themselves? Access to NHS dental care is a huge problem, which is hugely unsatisfactory for patients, for dentists themselves, and also sometimes for the NHS, which ends up picking up the pieces whenever medical problems develop because of tooth repair that hasn't been done. In England, there's about 6 million people at the moment don't have an NHS dentist. And trying to find one is an absolute lottery from hell 
really, and a situation that's getting worse. It's very, very hard to find one, even to get on a waiting list. I have to wait two years. I need an emergency dentist because my tooth was killing me. Impossible, absolutely impossible. Everyone's booked up. There's nobody letting any new patients in, so no, it's, it's incredibly bad at the minute. I was reassured about two months ago that we were fourth on the list, but we still haven't heard anything. Even if you go to the uh, the NHS's own Find a Dentist website, very often if you tap in your postcode and look for a dentist nearby that you hope will take you on, you'll find no new NHS patients is the message that comes back. So some people end up waiting years to be seen. Some people increasingly are being forced to go private and pay, sometimes large sums. This is a, a problem that's been recognised by governments of different sorts for decades and nothing fundamental has been done to fix this situation at all. So let's start with some context to get an understanding of how we got to where we are. Dennis, can you give me a brief history lesson on why oral care isn't free at the point of delivery like the rest of the NHS? On July 5th, the new National Health Service starts providing hospital and specialist services, medicines, drugs and appliances, care of the teeth and eyes, maternity services. So dental care on the NHS was originally free. There has always been a bit of a private market. But charges were brought in to reduce demand back in the 1950s. And uh, the situation has deteriorated since in the sense that the government or the NHS is putting in less proportionately to pay for care and patients over time have gradually been paying more and more and more. It's between about 25 and 30% of the total amount of money that funds NHS dentistry now comes from patients. So patients are paying more and the government, the NHS, is, is putting in less. We end up with a situation where everyone thinks of the NHS as being fundamentally free at the point of use, free at the point of need. That has not been the case for many years. As we know, the NHS budget for dentistry has been around £3 billion a year for quite some time now, which means, in real terms, it's been in decline. Do we know how much the dentists are asking for? How much is needed to make this less expensive and to make the problem less extreme? Dentists say that an immediate minimum payment of about £700 million a year is needed to try and stabilise things, to stop this drift towards uh, an increasingly small NHS dental workforce, the increasing spread of uh, enforced private care in dental deserts. But there's also the workforce problem as well. Dentists would say that you have to fix the contract that they don't like, that the ministers have acknowledged for decades is unsatisfactory. You have to solve that to help persuade dentists to keep treating NHS patients. Well, can you talk to me about this contract? I've heard a lot about it. It was brought in in 2006. What is it? What did it do? And why has it proved so controversial? Crudely, the contract between the government and dentists is based on UDAs, units of dental activity. Now, I'm just going to read you, uh, Nasheen, a little bit from a recent report from the National Audit Office that just explains how, how this works. So basically, a course of treatment gains a single UDA value based on the most complex element of the treatment required. But the actual amount of treatment required doesn't affect the UDAs. Thus, treatment requiring one crown attracts the same number of UDAs, and therefore payment, as treatment requiring eight crowns. Dentist leaders have been trying to negotiate a new NHS contract with the government for more than a decade. 
Dentists only get paid exactly the same, but they get paid for 10 fillings or one filling. Dentists get paid exactly the same. But the amount of time taken to do those 10, 12 fillings on the patient could be considerable compared to one filling. But the dentist will get exactly the, the same payment. And that model is just illogical. And it's been going on since 2006. So and- I'm going to try and summarise why dentists really, really, really dislike, in fact, loathe this system. Pre-2006, it was much simpler to understand. Dentists were, in essence, paid for the work they did. It was called the item of service. Quite simple, the way most things in the world work. And that, interestingly, is still the system used in both Northern Ireland and Scotland, where there's much less concern about uh, about access to dental care. England is a particular problem. Uh, so dentists don't like the fact that the, the contract only provides money to cover roughly half of the population. It sets quotas on the number of patients that they can see but it also penalises dentists if they don't see as many patients as they should that year. So they've got targets set by the NHS and they have to see a certain amount of patients and they have to do a certain amount of dental work, but they're not being paid for each appointment that they're delivering. They're being paid for fixing one problem, which may take six or seven appointments. And so they're not getting properly paid and overworked. Yes. You can sort of see why more dentists are just saying, this NHS work is just too much, I'm just going to leave it aside. More and more dentists are saying we're going to do private-only patients, and more and more patients obviously there have to pay up or uh, endure pain and discomfort. But there is an irony in that the number of dentists at work across the UK is actually going up, but the number prepared to do NHS work is going down, and that's on top of... The UK as a whole, and England in particular, having long-standing shortages of dentists relative to other big European countries. I was in sixth form. Uh, An open day happened at Birmingham Dental School. I didn't really know much about dentistry, and I was fascinated by my trip to the dental school and seeing students actually being trained to become dental surgeons. It was a a life-changing experience for me. Eddie Crouch is an NHS dentist working in two practices in Birmingham who started in the profession nearly 40 years ago. In those days, most people who qualified that went and worked in a NHS environment. You were allowed to open up a practice if there was uh, suitable numbers of patients. It wasn't constrained by any NHS commissioning. And many people in my year went on to become practice owners. Sadly, that's not true, really, with the, the current cohort of dentists. Eddie... You're the chair of the British Dental Association, which represents the UK's 42,000 dentists. How did they react to the new NHS contract when it was introduced in 2006? A a contract was foisted on the profession that was completely unpopular. It was not negotiated with the profession. And in in 2007, a significant amount, about 10% of dental practices, left the NHS. Um, And the Health Select Committee actually had an investigation into why the new contract had not proved popular with dentists. And they came out with uh, a fact that the the UDA or the Unit of Dental Act 
connectivity uh, system in dental contracts was not fit for purpose. And they asked the Department of Health and NHS England to actually carry out a review and to instigate prototyping of new ways of working. Uh, and so many dentists have waited for that review. And we've been piloting uh, new contracts for about 10 years without any progress. Last month, England's chief dental officer said that the current contract model had, and I quote, run out of road. Do you think the profession could be able to run out of dentists too? More and more are beginning to think there is no future for them in the NHS and they are deciding to leave. Really, the the target system is dysfunctional in the, the fact that patients who require an awful lot of treatment are the ones that aren't welcome within a dental system that we're working to at the moment because you get the same remuneration for providing care to a patient, whether they need one filling, for example, or one extraction, as you would do for a patient who needs multiple treatments, including multiple fillings, maybe complex treatment, uh, and, and it's just disproportionate. So for, for many practices, there is a real risk that if they take on patients with high need, they will actually actually be out of pocket because the the cost of the treatment that they are providing is more than the remuneration that they're actually getting. Why do you think this crisis in NHS dentistry is so intense right now? Has the pandemic made the situation worse? There was a survey in the media that uh, indicated that nine out of 10 dental practices were not taking on NHS patients at the moment. That didn't surprise me at all um, because we've seen through the pandemic a backlog of about a year's amount of, uh, of appointments, about 40 million appointments have been lost through the pandemic. Um, many dentists are actually struggling to cope with their existing cohort of patients without taking anyone new on. And sadly, there has been a significant reduction in the number of dentists providing NHS care. Uh, and as a consequence of that, uh, the, the residual dentists that are seeing NHS patients are finding it incredibly difficult to actually take any more on. After Claire opened that bombshell letter, telling her that her surgery could no longer offer her treatment on the NHS, she rang them up. I asked them to recommend me to another dentist. They said actually that that wouldn't be possible and that there would be waiting lists anyway. I went on the NHS list of surgeries and I started calling them. And the receptionists, to be fair, were all very sympathetic and they were helpful. They said, have you tried so-and-so? So I tried the practice they recommended. They were very sympathetic. No, there's nothing we can do. Very sorry about it. That was when I was then referred to ring the waiting list. Now, that took most of the day to get through to somebody there. Um, so I have put my name on that. I asked how long that would take and she just couldn't tell me. However, one of the other dentists that I rang when I was ringing around trying to find a dentist said to me, oh, you're going to wait three to four years. Dennis, as we've heard... Claire could be waiting three to four years for treatment. And we've been seeing more reports recently of the UK's so-called dental deserts. Could you please explain exactly what they are? Dental deserts are when there are very, very few local dentists who will take on NHS patients and provide NHS-funded care. 
they are becoming more numerous. They are particularly concentrated in rural areas and coastal areas. The Guardian reported recently a report by a body called the Association of Dental Groups, which found that uh, North Lincolnshire, for example, has as few as 32 NHS dentists per 100,000 of population. That's not an awful lot to go around, to put it kindly. The other areas that were also highlighted as key dental deserts were the East Riding of Yorkshire, the whole of Lincolnshire, and Norfolk and Waveney. So there's a particular problem in eastern England and a particular problem in rural and coastal eastern England. The other problem areas were the Isle of Wight, the city of Bradford, Newham and East London, and all of Cornwall. Dennis, just to clarify... For the people in those areas you've mentioned who have so few dentists around, what are the differences in costs between treatment on the NHS and going privately, let's say, for a general checkup? At the moment, NHS charges cover three bands. Band one, £23.80, covers an examination, diagnosis and, and advice. And if necessary, it also includes x-rays, a scale and polish and planning for further treatment. When I go into my dentist, he'll say, do you need a scale and polishing because I'm not the world's best at keeping my teeth as clean as they should be? I always go for that. And that's always £23.80 because I'm lucky enough to get some of my dental care on the NHS. Band 2, £65.20, covers all the treatment in band 1, but also uh, treatment such as filling and root canal treatment and also what we all hate, extractions, removal of teeth. Lastly, band 3, £282.80 covers all the treatment we've just talked about, but also the much more complex procedures that uh, 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 can be needed, particularly amongst uh, uh, the older population, crowns, dentures and bridges. But if you have to pay for any of this from a simple scale and polish up to uh, complicated work privately, you can pay two or three times the, the figures I've just given you or even more. The sky's the limit in, in wealthier areas. People will end up paying more. There is no limit, no cap, no regulation on what dentists can charge. And certainly I recently paid, I think it was 850 quid for three appointments to get uh, one tooth recapped. Claire, how are you managing your situation until you can get help? I'm thinking about it. Every day for quite a long time, I'm paranoid about my mouth care. You know, there is the strict twice a day brushing and flossing and the mouthwash in the middle of the day. I have resorted to putting mouth gel on because the gum is a little bit swollen there as well, which is another indicator something's not going as it should be. The signs are there, you know, when you get the taste in your mouth, when it starts twinging. And I know it needs sorting. It's already been reconstructed once and I can't get hold of anybody to look at it and to do the work that needs doing on it. <laughs> Presumably some people who can't get to see a dentist or can't afford to go private are being driven to really quite extreme measures. Dennis, what sort of stories have you heard about people basically trying to do their own dental work? There are some really horrendous stories around now increasingly about people resorting to DIY dentistry. People who cannot get routine dental care or urgent dental care because those services have uh, shrunk in the NHS as well, feeling forced to, in some cases, taking out their own teeth. You know, I was crying, I didn't know what to do. So I started off with a pair of tweezers trying to move the tooth in the gum to loosen it. 
and then I got my husband's pliers and tried to um, to remove it myself. I read recently about someone who had uh, a crown had become loose and they put it back in the mouth with super glue. It's bonkers. Well, I went over to Bury St. Edmunds um, a few months back. Uh, I don't think there was a single dental practice in Bury St. Edmunds that was taking on uh, new patients at the time. And one of the people there was a lady who'd extracted nine of her own teeth. No, no one should be having to take out their own tooth in their kitchen. You know, it's Victorian times, isn't it, when people are having to do that, you know, in their own homes. Eddie... Do you feel there's a lot of anger out there from patients who can't get help? Well, understandably, when patients have um, have been kept awake for days on end, there are people arriving in dental surgeries really quite angry that the dentist isn't able to actually see them and take them on for treatment. It's fully understandable, but I hear many of my colleagues having really difficult uh, problems with potentially violence in in their dental surgeries, um, you know, because no one who has lost four nights sleep is really interested in having a reasonable conversation with a health professional uh, when that health professional says, I'm really, really sorry, but I can't provide you emergency care. I think you're saying it's really clear that we've now in the UK created what seems like a two-tier system that is dividing those who can afford it and those who can't. This has now become a really gross new form of serious health inequality. You know, all the talk during and, and since COVID is about how COVID has exposed all the health inequalities by class, by race and ethnicity, sometimes by gender. This is one that affects the poorest people, have the fewest dentists to go to, and broadly, in many areas, the least chance of getting free NHS care. Uh, so we end up now with a very much uh, an increasingly two-tier system, which I think it really should be seen as a scar on the conscience of the people who run the NHS and the government that funds the NHS, that this situation, despite all of the government saying we're going to level up, we're going to tackle health inequalities, the health secretary, Sajid Javid, saying that uh, it's his driving mission, so on, all fine words, the situation is actually getting worse. Coming up, are we facing the end of NHS dentistry? Dennis, We've heard about patients waiting potentially years on waiting lists of not being able to afford the work they need, even trying to do it themselves. We've heard of dentists fed up with a lack of NHS investment, fed up with working under a contract system that isn't fit for purpose. So what has the government done so far to solve the problem? Governments for 20 or 30 years now have recognised that the situation with access to dental care is very inadequate for all concerned. And there have been talks and initiatives and plans. Nothing fundamentally has changed for many, many years. There's been some uh, renewed discussions more recently between uh, the British Dental Association and the NHS and the Department of Health about possibly moving to a new system. But my impression is that of the many, many problems in the NHS that the government wants to kind of manage, for example, waiting times for hospital care, waiting times CGPs, the time people spend in ambulances, in any departments, the situation with access to mental health care, that sadly, 
Secondly, frustratingly, the problem of dental care is well, well down the list. And I personally have no great belief that anything major is going to happen anytime soon. And I don't think sort of dentist representatives have either. But it's not just a cosmetic issue, is it? I mean, there are serious long-term consequences to not having good dental care. The lack of easy access to, to dental care poses a risk to patients on, on two particular levels. Their, their, their dental problems will get worse, uh, fillings that aren't uh, treated, abscesses, infections. So someone could end up in A&E or elsewhere when a problem has gone untackled and becomes critical and needs urgent care. But secondly, dental checkups are potentially very useful ways of spotting uh, the early signs of mouth cancer, for example, and also spotting type 2 diabetes. So by fewer patients seeing dentists and not having the, the dentist you know, look around the mouth and bring their diagnostic skills to bear, opportunities to spot those diseases early are lost. So it's no wonder the, the Association of Dental Groups talk about how there is a looming health crisis directly as a result of the lack of access. Eddie, you've been a dentist for almost 40 years now. How do you feel about the future of NHS dentistry? I'm worried. I really am worried. I really don't think I've ever known the morale of the profession be as low as it is at the moment. I believe uh, there is enthusiasm within the politicians that are responsible for dentistry, but their hands are being tied, I think, by the Treasury not being prepared to actually offer any more resource to the problem. I, I really believe that the funding is, is inadequate, um, but I also believe that they want dentistry out of the NHS uh, and they want to blame the dentists for that. They want it to look like it's greedy dentists that are leaving the NHS rather than having an honest and open, frank conversation with the population. You know, if we are to provide a pain relief service only, then let's have an honest conversation about that. But at the moment, the politicians want the public to believe there is a comprehensive dental service out there for them, that they are paying through their taxes, and that isn't true. Dennis, what do you think of what Eddie just said there? Could this be the beginning of the end of dental care on the NHS? It's hard to disagree with anything I've just heard Eddie say. I think... Dental care is well down the government's list of priorities in terms of NHS problems to tackle. He mentioned the Treasury. You know, you're talking about spending probably several billions to get to the ideal service, the, the service that, that he says the government like people to imagine they have, which is universal access. People know already that that is sort of a, a, a myth, a fiction. There is significant public unease and unease amongst MPs building up about this. This now there's been parliamentary debate. Access to NHS dentistry is a problem that has been brewing for a long time. The Minister has committed to reforming the system. This is welcome. But the pace of change is too slow. And the bottom line is a matter of funding. Shockingly, government spending on NHS dentistry has been decreased by more than a third in the last decade. But nothing really much changes. You'd like to be optimistic. Eddie says there's momentum within government or determination to try and solve this. I don't come across any major drive in that direction to make things any, any better. And I, I sadly think things may get worse before they get better. And I do wonder if government ministers and possibly even the NHS are just happy to let this increasingly mixed model of private care with more and more people being forced to go private just 
gather pace. Claire, how do you feel about the situation you've been left in? I think it's a disgrace, to be honest. I I really do. I mean, if you've got a high salary, you can afford dental care, you can afford dental plans. If you're on a pension, if you're on an old age pension or on a low salary, especially, you know, with the cost of living crisis as it is now, I mean, how people are supposed to find yet another big pot of money to fund their dental health, I, I just really don't know. That was Claire Adams, Eddie Crouch and The Guardian's Dennis Campbell. My thanks to all of them. You can read Dennis's reporting of dental deserts at theguardian.com. I'd also recommend Helen Pidd's piece on the emergency dental clinic which set up shop in Bury St Edmunds. And that is it for today. This episode was produced by Musty Aziz. Sound design was by Axel Cacoutier. The executive producers are Elizabeth Cassin and Phil Maynard. We'll be back tomorrow. This is The Guardian.